0: This is an ABC News special. COVID-19, what you need to know. From ABC News headquarters, here is correspondent Aaron Katursky. The United States now has more
1: cases of novel coronavirus than any other country. It is certainly an unwanted distinction. The number of cases in the U.S. approaches 100,000 now, and there have been more than 1,300 deaths. Today, some help. The House passed a $2 trillion relief package, by far the largest stimulus in modern history. ABC's Karen Travers covers the White House. This represents direct payments, jobless benefits, money for states. Karen, what exactly is in this bill?
2: Well, it's $2 trillion, Aaron, and that is a lot of federal money. It's over $800 billion that goes to support small and larger businesses. It's going to boost unemployment benefits, enhancing those uh, for millions of Americans. And there's also $100 billion in assistance for hospitals and health systems across the nation. This is something that there was a bit of partisan fighting about, but something that both Republicans and Democrats did want to make sure was included because you're starting to hear big. Big calls uh, across the nation for more federal help. The other big thing, this is what matters to Americans. There are direct payments to American taxpayers. $1,200 will go in checks, either a direct deposit or a check by mail over the next couple of weeks. They say the best case for this getting out would be starting around April 6th. You could get this faster if you have direct deposit, if you filed your taxes that way in the past.
1: Karen, the president is signing this bill. He wants the help to get to Americans, but he has also in recent days sought to distance himself from the federal response.
2: You know, Aaron, the president has made himself the face of the federal response to COVID-19 because he's been doing a daily press briefing for now two weeks. Yesterday at the briefing, he said help is on the way. And he was really, uh, I think, trying to have that human connection. He was asked questions about the unemployment claims. He was asked questions about small businesses that now are letting go workers because they have no business coming in. And, and he was trying to connect with them, but over and over kept promising it's going to get better because the federal government is going to give you money. But I think it's also notable while he is the face of the federal government's response, Aaron, he keeps trying to push the responsibility. And with that, some of the potential blame back on the state and local officials. He made it very clear in an interview on Fox News on Wednesday night. He says this has to be managed by local government and by governors. It can't be managed by the federal government. He sees himself in a support role that the federal government can swoop in and provide resources and assistance when necessary. And Aaron, I see a big fight, broken between the Trump administration and governors like Governor Cuomo in New York uh, and Governor Newsom maybe in California over critical resources that they say they need right now and the federal government is not yet ready to give it.
1: But Karen, the federal government does have an essential role to play and can marshal resources like no individual state
2: can. And the president has been asked about this. He was asked at the White House last week, doesn't the buck stop with you? Famous presidential line, of course. And he said normally it does. But the president quickly said this has never been done before in this country. You know, and he certainly has talked in recent days that his almost amazement that this is happening to him, to his administration, to his amazing economy. Uh, but, you know, I think, Aaron, one thing that we should note is that while he seems to be shifting the responsibility and that potential blame down the road to state and local officials, for now, it may be working. Uh, there's a new ABC News Washington Post poll that found that the president has his highest approval rating in our poll since he took office. Forty eight percent. Fifty one percent of Americans approve of how he is handling this crisis. Interestingly, two thirds say they're confident that the federal government can handle this outbreak. We'll see if those numbers are the same in a couple weeks.
1: ABC's Karen Travers. More states are feeling this now. ABC's Jim Ryan is here with us. And Jim, there's been a spike in cases in Louisiana.
3: Yeah, it happens every day. They, they see them rise by 20 deaths, occasionally a few hundred cases, uh, positive COVID cases, and it's happened again. Deaths now, at least 119 people have died, 2,700 positive cases across the state of Louisiana. Interestingly, Aaron, they are concentrated in and around New Orleans. It's a fairly sizable state. And yet, right there in the southeastern part, right where the Mississippi flows off into the Gulf of Mexico is where you find the most cases, about half of the state's totals, Aaron.
1: I was struck by something authorities were saying that had they known
3: earlier or sooner and someone had told them, they would have canceled Mardi Gras. Yeah, a pretty big step, a major thing, the the major event in that city for the whole year. And yet the mayor, LaToya Cantrell, says that if she had had some indication that this was coming, that anything like this was coming, she would have completely canceled Mardi Gras. Remember that during Mardi Gras, the the biggest things that happened, two people were struck and killed by floats. And that seemed to be a, a real tragedy at the time. Now we know or at least the suspicion is, that coronavirus arrived in Louisiana during Mardi Gras. Someone probably brought it in from outside, the hundreds of thousands of people who visited the city. One of them, maybe more than one, seems to have brought this virus into the state with them. I mean, Jim, beyond Mardi Gras, Bourbon
1: Street is crowded on any day
3: of the week. Oh, absolutely. And any Friday at midday, you're likely to see crowds of people there enjoying lunch, some of the best food in the country. ABC's Jim Ryan. In the meantime,
1: researchers are scrambling to find a treatment. Tests are underway with chloroquine, an old malaria drug that may work in concert with azithromycin. Dr. Della Tagapore from Johns Hopkins and the ABC News medical units with us now. There's new research out about this.
4: A study came out of Mayo Clinic highlights a really critical point about chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine. These are antimalarial medications, and they've also been used for things like lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. But we've seen a lot of doctors across the globe using them off-label for severely ill patients with COVID-19. The thing is, they're not FDA-approved, and it would require much more testing before we know if they're the best choice. But as that decision is being made and doctors are doing the best they can with what they know, it's important to remember that there's one side effect that cannot be forgotten, and that's sudden drug-induced cardiac death, which basically means that the medication can prolong a part of your heart rate called your QTC interval. That's less important to remember than it is to remember that your heart can stop from this. Now, it is a rare side effect, but it's not a side effect we can forget. So the team at Mayo put together a really helpful guide to help doctors decide how at risk their patients are, encouraged getting EKGs to help show that QTC interval, and hopefully be able to save some lives in the process, especially as these medications are used more and more.
1: There's been increasing talk about herd immunity. In other words, giving everyone the infection deliberately so that they become immune. Is that something that's realistic?
4: So that's a tough one. That's what we do a lot of times with other vaccines. We hope that when the majority are immunized or vaccinated, then the rest will be protected. The problem is that while the concept of herd immunity is sound, it's dangerous to do right now with COVID-19. We don't have any FDA approved medications, we don't have a vaccine, and as we hear more and more every day, hospitals around the country are already working beyond capacity. So if we intentionally undo stay-at-home orders and social distancing that we've put into place, we'll most certainly put thousands, if not hundreds of thousands more, in the hospital.
1: Away from the virus itself, there's what it's causing all of us to do, and that is namely stay home. And it turns out that doctors are learning more about what we should be doing and maybe what we shouldn't be doing while we're all staying at home and working from home or learning from home. It turns out, uh, Dr. Taglepore, you've learned more about kids and their ability to pay attention while everyone's homeschooling.
4: That's right. Kids and families together at home all day. Can you imagine?
1: Uh, Yes, I can.
4: So... A lot of parents are taking on the responsibility of doing homeschooling. This is something that's brand new. And while there are a lot of resources available online and a lot of teachers are going out of their way to provide resources at home, it's a fairly new concept for a lot of families. And families think that because kids are at school for, you know, six hours or eight hours of the day that they should do that same amount of work at home. But research is telling us that that's probably not true. Kids can't really stay focused that long. And so a trick that they came up with in this study was to multiply the child's age by two to five minutes. So a four-year-old, for example, would be able to focus for about eight to 20-minute periods, give them a little bit of education, and then give them a break and go back and forth for as long as you and the kid will tolerate. A very brief way to think about it for other age groups Elementary school kids can tolerate about one to two hours of instruction per day. Middle schoolers for about two to three, and high schoolers can tolerate three to four.
1: Good to know for all of us parents who have kids at home trying to learn. Dr. Della Tagapore from Johns Hopkins and the ABC News Medical Unit are thanks to you. Coming up, my colleague Amy Robach and Dr. Jennifer Ashton with more of your questions about
0: coronavirus.
1: I'm Aaron Katursky. You're listening to an ABC News special.
0: listening to an ABC News special, COVID-19, what you need to know. Here is ABC News correspondent Amy Robach.
5: Yes, we made it through another long week. And the developments we are tracking right now, global cases of the coronavirus have climbed to more than half a million with at least 24,000 deaths around the world. Plus, the ranks of recovering patients is growing as well. Now more than 122,000 Americans in at least 30 states on virtual lockdown as efforts intensify to stop the spread. And with me now are ABC chief medical correspondent, Dr. Jen Ashton. And Dr. Jen, we know the CDC has issued new guidance on what to do if you think you have coronavirus and when it's safe to end your isolation. So tell us what those recommendations are.
6: Exactly, Amy. And we've been really encouraging them to release these because there's so much confusion. People now being told to assume they have COVID-19 if they have a range of symptoms, but then a lot of confusion about when they can leave their home, when they can go back to work. So the bottom line is three days after having a fever, that's 72 hours without any fever reducing medication or seven days from when the symptoms first started. Now, This is going to be have to be integrated with new data as we become capable of testing for antibodies, because, again, it's really unknown how long people shed virus and therefore how long they can be infectious or contagious. But right
5: now, these are the new CDC recommendations. All right, Dr. Jen, we will be checking in with you in just a bit. In the meantime, though, we turn now to ABC's Rachel Scott, who is in Washington,
7: D.C., with all the latest headlines for us. Here are some of the developments that we are monitoring. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has tested positive for COVID-19. Johnson says he will continue to lead the government's response to the pandemic while in self-isolation at Number 10 Downing Street. He is urging people to stay home to save lives. Delta joins United and American Airlines in using grounded passenger planes to transport tons of critical cargo, thousands of pounds of pharmaceutical supplies and other essential items coming in internationally with more flights expected. And a Delta spokesperson confirms to ABC News that more than 21,000 employees have volunteered to take unpaid leave. Delta employs about 90,000 people worldwide. The nation's first responders continue to be under threat. L.A.'s police and fire departments have at least 17 members recovering in home quarantine after testing positive, And New York's deputy police commissioner, John Miller, has been hospitalized with the virus symptoms. Miller is a former ABC News correspondent and anchor. And this word from ESPN, the NFL draft is expected to go on as scheduled beginning April 23rd. Commissioner Roger Goodell acknowledging current uncertainty, saying a different date doesn't ensure conditions will be more favorable. That's the latest from here, Amy. Back to you. All right,
5: Rachel, thanks so much. We appreciate it. As millions of Americans lose work or stress over the threat of losing your job, it can be scary to see those bills piling up and no money coming in. So here to walk us through some of the ways to ease the financial strain is certified finance education instructor, Bola Secundi. And we want to welcome you, Bola, because we know everyone is worried about their bills right now. And at the very least, there is some relief in place. This $2 trillion stimulus bill that was passed by the Senate yesterday. So tell us what this means for the general public.
8: Yeah. So to write down the stimulus package, high level, individuals will receive a check of $1,200. Married couples will receive $2,400. And parents with children under the age of 17 will get $500 for each child. However, for individuals earning more than $75,000 or couples earning more than $150,000, this stimulus amount will go down. And for those individuals earning $99,000 or couples earning $198,000 $198,000 or more,
5: they would not qualify for the package. Yeah. So, I mean, some people are getting help, but it might not go that far. So you have five tips that you're going to share with us now on how to keep up with bills during this pandemic and what people could do with the money from the stimulus bill. And the first tip you have is to prioritize important bills. Yes. Yeah, so if
8: you're getting a stimulus check, or you have your income reduced, or you have unfortunately lost your job, your main focus right now should be, prior to, should be to prioritize what's most important. And this would be your food, your housing, your core utilities, and any
5: transportation needs that you have. This should come first in your plan. The next step, you say, scale back on those non-essentials.
8: Yes. So when it comes to non-essential spending, you want to put that on pause until things get better with your financial situation. So think about ways that you can stretch your dollars. What do you have at home that you can meal plan? Can you switch from brand names to generic names? And what other things can you do without? Right now in this season, online shopping is a big one, but given the fact that we're all under quarantine and we have nowhere to wear those clothes we're
5: buying, we can put that on hold right now. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And also you say, work the phones. You can call your creditors. You can call your bank.
8: Absolutely. So do not make the assumption that your creditors or your service providers or your lenders assume that you're going through financial difficulty. Pick up your phone and call them and let them know what you are going through and that you need assistance. Many of these companies are willing to work with you in terms of payment plans or delayed payments. And many are waiving late fees and waiving um, transferring accounts to collections. But you have to call and communicate your situation with
5: them. That's really important. No, of course, you've got to let them know. And you your final tip I really like. You say get creative to earn income during this time. Yes. Yeah, so
8: what skills do you have that you can monetize? What things you have in your home that you can sell. And it's also important to keep in mind that if you really need the money right now, it's okay to work at a job below your skill set. So there are a lot of companies and industries that are hiring right now. Amazon just announced the $100, 100,000 jobs. Um, grocers, courier, and delivery services are all hiring. So it's okay in this time to work below your skill set if you need the money and then go back to your regular job when things
5: get better. Yeah, it is just temporary. It's important to note that. Bolas, Thanks so much for that important advice. We appreciate it. Thank you. Although sports at all levels have temporarily been put on hold, many athletes are staying in the game. And Chicago Cubs first baseman and World Series champion is doing just that. Anthony Rizzo, he's giving back to hospitals and health care workers right there on the front lines. And Anthony Rizzo joins us now. Thank you so much for being with us today, Anthony. And we certainly want you to tell right now how the Rizzo Family Foundation is helping so many people right now during this coronavirus outbreak.
9: So we have, uh, thank you for having me on, we have served over a 1,000 hot meals now to frontline workers and to hospital workers and the staff at hospitals, just to help them out during these tough times. Um, A lot of these um, staff workers don't know if they're allowed to go to the grocery store and, you know, get basic groceries because they're really are quarantining outside of the hospital just to stay safe and keep everyone safe. So... We have donated a lot of meals here in Chicago and in Florida, and we continue to keep doing that and really help uh, the frontline nurses out as much as we can and the staff workers.
4: Yeah, it's
5: making me smile, just imagining what that moment is like when you bring them that food. What have the reactions been like from healthcare, healthcare workers and the community?
9: The feedback has been amazing from the healthcare workers. I mean, we've had pictures and videos of, of, of staff workers crying for a hot meal for, 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 I mean, the restaurants we have been serving are, are partners with us in the, the foundation that helped us out with one of our events. We have a cook-off every year. and They just, we really want to give back to the restaurants and also help the, the, the frontline workers. So it's really been a win-win because there's a lot of people in tough times right now and we're just trying to help out any way we can.
5: Yeah. It is so wonderful that you're doing that. And I, I want to ask before you go yesterday, would have been opening day. So what is your message to all of those baseball fans out there right now?
9: I think it's just to to stay strong together. Uh, We're going to get through this together. This is tough for everyone. We all want to be playing baseball. We all want sports on television. Uh, A lot of people want to be going to work on a daily basis to get back into that routine. So while you're at home, take time to invest in yourself and Get into a little routine that makes you happy. It's, it's it's hard to be home 24-7, but everyone's doing this together, so you're not alone.
5: Yeah, that's important to remember. Anthony Rizzo, a hero on and off the field, thank you for all you're doing for your, your community. We appreciate it.
9: Thank you, guys. I appreciate it.
5: Coming up next, right here on What You Need to Know, Dr. Jen Ashton answers your questions on coping with the stress of the crisis and stopping the spread. Plus, words of wisdom on keeping faith alive on this Friday. And did you know it's actually possible to make a love connection in spite of the quarantines and social distancing dating in the pandemic? We'll be right back.
0: This ABC News special continues after this. You are listening to an ABC News special, COVID-19, what you need to know. Once again, here is ABC News correspondent Amy Robach.
5: Welcome back. We're checking back in with Dr. Jen Ashton and and Dr. Jen. So many people are concerned, but, you know, our hearts really go out to those women who are pregnant right now, because imagine some of these hospitals now saying you can't have a plus one. And there are already so many what ifs when it comes to giving birth. This is just another sign of the times, unfortunately.
6: Exactly. So there are two evolving things that I'm really keeping my eye on in terms of obstetrics and pregnancy. And I'm hearing from so many women with questions and concerns. One, as you said, a lot of hospitals in these hot spots, New York City and the surrounding areas being one of them, are restricting no support people to that woman when she's in labor. This, a lot of people are saying, actually puts that pregnant woman in more risk as she's delivering. Obviously, it's a major lifestyle stressor for the father the baby or the partner as well as the woman, hopefully we'll see that relax sometime soon, but a lot of hospitals just not taking any chances whatsoever about possibly having someone in
5: the hospital that may have COVID nineteen and may not know it. And I know you've delivered uh over fifteen hundred babies, am I correct? So you know more than anyone what, yeah. this, what this means for these women.
6: Absolutely, and for the fathers or the partners, um, you know, it's a it's a massive issue. So that's one thing that I'm focusing on. The other thing is there's brand new data, very small studies that there may, and I want to underscore, may be evidence of in utero transmission. We call it vertical transmission of women who are sick with COVID nineteen. Um, babies are being tested hours after delivery and found to have antibodies to coronavirus. So again, it needs more research but there are a couple of new studies out that that
5: suggest that it may be happening what is the actual incubation period for the virus can you develop symptoms after the stipulated period Well, recent
6: study shows that the average incubation period is 5.2 days and of people who eventually test positive, 97% do so by day 11. So 14-day incubation period and observation period is generally what we're using, but recent study just published in JAMA, uh, I'm sorry, in Lancet Infectious Diseases. I'm looking at so many journals now, I can't <laughs> keep them straight, um, has found evidence of viral shedding in people who were tested positive as far out as 20 days or more. We don't know that that means there'll still be infectious or contagious. But again, there's a lot about this virus that we still don't know. The assumption is that so much of it is transmitted via a close contact in people who don't even have symptoms yet.
5: If you have a question for Dr. Ashton, we urge you to send them to her Instagram at Dr. Jay Ashton. We'll check in with you in just a bit, Jen. And it's Faith Friday here at ABC. And in times like these, keeping your beliefs strong and your spirits high can definitely be challenging. So we thought we'd bring in someone who can help shed some light on how we can all keep our faith alive. You might remember him from Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's wedding. He is also the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church. Joining me now is the... Reverend Bishop Michael Curry. Bishop Curry, thank you so much for being with us. We certainly appreciate it. And we need to hear from you today. We know with assemblies and large gatherings currently prohibited, how are you advising religious leaders to guide their congregations and then the parishioners themselves to keep their faith alive?
10: Well, you know, I mean, there are a number of things. Um, One of the things I've realized is that while um, we must have physical distancing, We don't want to have social distancing, which is to say, physically, we shouldn't be within proximity of each other, um, you know, six feet or whatever the the standards are. But socially, we need to be in contact with each other. And fortunately, our technology provides a number of options that we might not have had even 20 years ago. And so we're encouraging clergy um, and church folk, have church online, use Facebook Live, Zoom, Um, uh, Instagram. Use all the mediums that we have available to us. Have a worship service online. It doesn't have to be fancy. Just do it. Uh, Pray to God. Read scriptures. um, um, Preach a sermon. Uh, Don't make the sermon too long, but preach a sermon um, and do all the things we do in church. And then I heard about a, a church where they were having coffee hour like they do on Sunday morning, for example, only they were doing it online, telling everybody, um, brew your coffee, make your tea, get a donut or whatever, and c- join us on Zoom, and we'll have coffee hour together.
5: I love um, it. I love it. And, 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 you know, Bishop, I know you've talked before about the restorative power of love. How do you see that working, especially in times like this? Sometimes when we all really need an actual hug, uh, how do you practice love in this era of physical distancing?
10: There, there are three things. Um, um, Jesus at one point um, re- reached into the Hebrew scriptures and told somebody, love the Lord your God with everything you got. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love your neighbor, love yourself. One way to do that is ask, how can I love God or be in a relationship with God today? How can I love my neighbor, somebody else, and be in in a relationship and help somebody else today? And how can I love myself? If you get those three and just live with those three ways to be in relationship with God, relationship with others, be a way of helping others, as well as being in relationship with yourself, those three create a holistic life that, that can help you navigate even in tough, uncertain and sometimes very difficult times,
5: especially in times like these, I would imagine. And I know you, like so many other Mm -hmm. leaders, are an advocate for those less fortunate and for social justice. So talk a little bit more Mm -hmm. about how you're continuing that in these times.
10: Well, in in a number of ways, for example, um, uh, uh, you you can still write members of Congress. We can still uh, write um, or email um, our leaders with our perspectives on how they can uh, work for the common good. We can still do that. And and they, like we, um, uh, are are sort of quarantined as well. Yep. So believe me, <laughs> that will get read. So we can do that to advocate for um, for those who don't have anybody to advocate for them. We can also do it by being in groups and finding ways to do it safely, uh, but to actually serve others. Yep. There's a soup kitchen, I'm here in Raleigh, North Carolina, um, at Good Shepherd Church, downtown Raleigh, um, where they're doing it safely. Um, normally they have people come in and sitting and eat, uh, mainly for the homeless community, but they're doing bag lunches and they're doing it in ways that are safe and volunteers are safe. You can do something. Um, and if you can't do that, you can pray for somebody <laughs> or you can pick up the telephone and call somebody. If you're not high tech, go low tech, <laughs> pick up the telephone. If you're it. high tech, Get out the cell phone. I love
5: it. I love your enthusiasm and your positivity. It is certainly contagious. Reverend Bishop Michael Curry, thank you. Be well. We really appreciate those words of wisdom. We have much more ahead right here. Love in the time of Corona. Quarantine dating. Tips for those looking for a way to keep their distance, but still find a match.
0: This ABC News special, COVID-19, What You Need to Know, continues after this. You're listening to an ABC News special, COVID-19, What You Need to Know. Once again, here is ABC News correspondent Amy Robach.
5: Welcome back. Just weeks ago, a city north of Manhattan had one of the first clusters of COVID-19 and some drastic measures were taken to stop the spread there. In New Rochelle, a one-mile containment zone was set up around an entire community, and the National Guard was even called in to help deliver meals to those who were stuck in isolation. The move has had some promising results, and joining us now is the mayor of New Rochelle, Noam Bramson. Thank you for joining us, Mayor Bramson, and I want to start by asking you uh, how things are going because New Rochelle was really the first Hotspot in the New York area. Where are you now?
11: Well, thank you for having me. And I, I think Neurochelle's experience does give us some reason for cautious optimism. Uh, because we were an early hotspot, we also implemented early containment measures intended to limit the spread of the virus. And the preliminary data suggests that that has been somewhat effective. Uh, the rate of increase in Neurochelle seems to be slowing. And New Rochelle is declining as a percentage of positive cases uh, in our region. Uh, so all that is, uh, is good news. But I, I do want to emphasize uh, the caution. Uh, the data can be interpreted in lots of different ways. Uh, the municipally aggregated information lags behind the positive reports to individuals. So we are a couple of days behind the facts on the ground. And, and we know that even in the most optimistic scenario, this is still going to be a long and significant ch- challenge. So it's entirely premature to celebrate. Uh, but we are looking for rays of sunshine in the midst of an unsettling experience. And uh, it is good to know that NeuroShell has confronted at least the early stage of this challenge. Uh, in a seemingly successful way.
5: Yeah, that's a very important distinction. And, and it should be noted, you responded very quickly and very aggressively to the first reported cases in your city. Do you think New Rochelle could be a model for other cities your size if they experience a similar burst of uh, of, of cases?
11: Uh, yes, I think so. And look, I want to give credit to, to Governor Cuomo in New York State. They, they were in the driver's seat here and they identified Uh, the early challenge that we had in New Rochelle and and prescribed the limitations that were imposed here. But also keep in mind, uh, just a week after our containment zone was established, uh, all of its restrictions were overtaken and exceeded by statewide limitations that were even more restrictive. So all of New York State is at this point a containment zone, and uh, the rest of America is not far behind. But because we came first, uh, our leading experience, I think, is some indicator of what other communities can expect. Uh, I'd also say that another promising aspect of what's happened in New Rochelle is that in the face of overwhelming pressure, our social infrastructure has remained strong. Uh, community groups and not-for-profit organizations have risen to the occasion. We've had an outpouring of volunteerism. We've been able to maintain essential services in the context of a, a radically changed work environment. So all of that suggests that even though this is hard, Uh, We will be equal to the test. Then we'll be able to come out on the other side with a a strong and healthy community.
5: Yeah. And and can you talk a little bit about, if you have any right now, any plans to reopen, so to speak, new Rochelle? And what are you hearing from residents there?
11: Well, I think everyone uh, in the state and everyone in America is eager to resume some form of normal life. We're living with limitations that would have been unimaginable. Uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, but we don't have any plans in New Rochelle to go on our own and to relax restrictions that are common to the state as a whole. Uh, we think it's important and responsible to take direction from the public health authorities at the state level and at the county level who have the expertise and are in the best position to give us guidance. So that's the way New Rochelle is approaching this.
5: All right. Well, Mayor Noam Bramson, thank you so much for joining us and giving us an update on your community. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. We turn now to Dr. Jen Ashton for answers to your questions that just keep pouring in understandably. So Dr. Jen, we're going to start with the first one. What are some of the best ways we can cope with the intense stress of this crisis?
6: Oh, that's so that's so important, Amy. And by the way, if anyone has any ideas, send them my way. I would like to hear them as well. But I think the first thing is, while all of our routines have been disrupted, try to find new routines when you're staying at home and sheltering in place. Try to connect with people. Use creative ways to do that. Obviously, it's heavily technology based. We've seen amazing examples of that. And I think it's really important, even if homebound, to do something physical every day. Um, I think when, when our bodies move and feel good, we release those endorphins and that can help our mood and our spirit, too. Okay.
5: I could not agree more. I'm getting the kids to do some calisthenics at the very least each and every day. And it, you can see their mood change. This next question. Very interesting. I live in Savannah, Georgia, where we are expecting close to 90 degree temperatures over the next few days. What effect, if any, will these warmer temperatures have on the spread of covid-19? So we don't know because this is a new virus and no one has a crystal ball, but
6: other coronaviruses and other respiratory viruses do tend to have seasonal variation. And we're starting to see in the Southern hemisphere, some increases in cases. So it's a good news, bad news situation. We may see a drop up here with change in temperature and humidity, but then we can expect a second peak when our weather changes again. So preparation during that time period will be
5: key. But bottom line is we just don't know what's going to happen as the weather changes. Yeah, this is going to be a wait and see moment uh, as we see those temperatures rise. All right. If you have a question for Dr. Ashton, we urge you to send them to her Instagram at Dr. J Ashton.
0: This ABC News special continues after this. You're listening to an ABC News special, COVID-19, what you need to know. Once again, here is ABC News correspondent Amy Robach.
5: Singles hoping to find their perfect match this year may feel like they've hit a rough patch amid the coronavirus pandemic. But your dating life doesn't need to come to a complete halt, even during a time of social distancing. Video exchanges are the new frontier. And here to tell us what we need to know is founder and CEO of the league dating app, Amanda Bradford. Amanda, thanks for being with us. And this is kind of counterintuitive because as I ask you to give us an idea about how dating has been affected during a time like this, I think you're going to give us a fairly unexpected answer.
12: It is surprising that it is. It's quite busy out there. <laughs> uh, we're seeing unprecedented levels of engagement, both in terms of logging in. Users that maybe logged in once or twice a week prior to this period are logging in multiple times a day. Uh, we're seeing users that used to be called flaky or were ghosting people are now responding to people at unprecedented levels. Um, We're also seeing people adopt our video features uh, much higher rate than than February, for example. So we're seeing, you know, we're seeing that people are really looking for connection and support during this time. And it is showing up in the data for sure. Yeah.
5: So video exchanges are the new trend in dating. Tell us how they work and how are people able to continue dating during this time of social distancing?
12: Yeah, so we actually built our dating feature in uh, December, but only now has it really uh, started to really get, grow in adoption. We're seeing a uh, 100% increase since last week on our video dating parties. And what those are is Sundays and Wednesdays at 9 p.m. We have all our users show up and we'll actually match them on live video dates these are short dates three minutes Uh, we give each person an icebreaker and they're chatting an app uh, live video and then afterwards if they like each other they can choose to continue and and have a a video date in the app for up to an hour or so and so uh, we're kind of uh, likening it to a video cocktail party if you will for anyone
5: who's hearing you and ready to take the plunge you have some tips for video dating and your first one is look
12: first date great Yes, it's uh, also surprising that uh, you shouldn't wear your pajama bottoms (laughs) on your first video date, even though you can, Um, but, you know, really dress like you would for a regular date. I think both, um, you know, whether head to toe, so whether it's uh, to to kind of create more confidence in yourself, but also to show the other person that, hey, I'm willing to put pants on for you (laughs) is kind of how we joke about it. And also, we Um, know that lighting
5: is everything. So you want to have great lighting as well, right?
12: Yes, no fluorescent lighting. If you can get kind of low wattage, uh, dim light, that's always a little bit more flattering. And and another thing we say is, uh, is try to share an experience during that date. So whether it's, uh, you know, playing words with friends, whether it's watching a YouTube video and pushing start at the same time, we've had users even go to an Instagram live concert and kind of pretend like they're going to a concert with each other <laughs> over over FaceTime. So really treat it like you would, you know, a real date. And I think, uh, you know, even though this is a really tough time and a, a scary time for everyone, it's actually a really Really unique time to get to know someone on an emotional level. And, and I think that's uh, that's important when you're dating. And yeah, so we, kind of look at the, the bright side of it, I guess. Yeah,
5: I see a reality show out of this one. You know, you you date in the pandemic on video, and then when this is all over, you can finally meet in person. So very exciting. We do, we do
12: have some couples. We do have some couples that are on like week four or five of uh, not having seen each other yet, but are, are falling in love. So I'm, I, I told them we'll definitely want to follow up with them and see how it goes in the real world. Yeah, we will check in with you on that. Amanda Bradford, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's our program for today. I'm Amy
5: Robach. Thanks for listening.
0: ABC News. Honored. Winner of four Edward R. Murrow Awards. ABC News. America's number one news choice.
6: Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer.